Jacksonville folks take to that. I am Joe Weston, your host. You already heard from Ned Brunels. Alex Scott with us. Alec, how are you? Doing good. This might be my favorite football weekend of the year. Two great games on Saturday, two great games on Sunday. Tough to beat. Josh Roberts in the house, too. Hello. How's it going? Fine. <laughs> Absolutely fine. So we can't talk about the Chiefs last week because they didn't play, but uh, did you guys digest the Jacksonville Chargers game. Neb, what were your thoughts on Well, that? I wish I could give you a, a blow-by-blow description, but I was over a Tournament of Champions, so I did not see other than maybe the final few seconds of the ball game. But judging from what happened, there's a there's a typical Los Angeles Chargers losing effort. Let a game get away <laughs> from them. Uh, I was going to use another term that I can't <laughs> get away with on the air, but the fact of the matter is it, they had the contest won 27 to nothing. Let it get away. Lost their concentration. Jacksonville. Jacksonville's a good team. They are not, in my opinion, a great team. Joe, you were comparing them to the Cincinnati Bengals. They are like that, but it's the Cincinnati Bengals of two and three years ago. They're getting there, but they aren't there yet. I think they'll give the Chiefs a pretty good football game today, but they're, in my opinion, not going to win the game, and they're not ready to win the game yet. I'm very impressed by the maturation of Trevor Lawrence. He is uh, he throws a really good ball. I mean, he just uh, just looks like a guy that's developing at a at the appropriate pace. He's not he's not Patrick Mahomes because there there's nobody to compare to him. His rookie season was uh, you know stellar, but what you're seeing is a quarterback that. In year three, four, five, really, really watch out for this guy because he's he's taking all the right steps. Well, if there's any question, he is the real deal. He was at Clemson, and now he is coming into his own. And you knew he was going to be because he's a very good athlete. He's a cerebral kid, and he's also big. He's, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, somewhere in that vicinity. And that range in and of itself really makes for a very good athlete. He is, and I think he's surrounding or the Jacksonville Ball Club – Mr. Khan is surrounding them with some very good players. Uh, Travis Etienne is a, a very good running back. Christian Kirk is an outstanding receiver. They've got a good team. They're just not quite there yet, in my opinion. What did you think about last week's game, Alec? You know, it's weird watching It's weird watching Jacksonville be on the giving end of an epic comeback like that, but it just shows that this just that's the Chargers' M.O., it seems. They always just find a way. <laughs> All the talent on the roster, all the advantages in their favor, and then in the end, you know, we we had it on TV in the background. We were with some friends that evening, and you know, we kind of tune out when it gets real ugly. And then you keep looking over and looking over, and my buddy and I look at each other, being like, "It's not over yet, is it?" And then before you know it, Jacksonville pulls it out. And I think Jacksonville, you know, they they are building something really promising. There was a lot of questions when they added Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram this offseason. All those three guys did is put up career years and really support Trevor, and this offense gets Calvin Ridley next year mm-hmm. that they traded from Atlanta. So like you said, they are everything's trending in the right direction. Trevor Lawrence looks like a guy who is worthy of that number one overall pick, and you can't sleep on them. They feel good about themselves, and that's going to be the biggest thing for Kansas City today. Take this seriously. Don't look ahead to that Cincinnati or Buffalo matchup. I've got upset alert sirens going all around the studio right now. Josh, what are your thoughts about today's game? I hate Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't. I have nothing to say about 
the magical comeback of the Jaguars last week, except what you guys always say. I mean, the, the Chargers are great at losing when they should win, and that's what I love about them being in the Chiefs' uh, division. <laughs> they, they're always going to find a way to lose. Uh, I, Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. He was great in college. He was dominant when, when he was a starter for Clemson. Uh, he has beautiful hair. <laughs> and I think that, that, that I hope that the Chiefs want to win this game 60 to nothing because I think they're going to have to play at, their, at the top of their level the entire 60 minutes in order to win this game. That game so much reminded me of the two games last year where the, uh, the Chiefs got bingled. Yeah. And, I, and that's exactly what Jacksonville did to the Chargers. They bingled them, and they uh, it just seemed like the Chargers didn't come out to play the second half at all of that game. I mean, they just did not look like the same team. Of course, you have to say in the first quarter, Trevor Lawrence sets a record or ties a record with Gary Gary Daniel, he throws, what, four interceptions? Three, three, three in the first quarter. He threw and four then, total in the first total, half. Right, right. And so when you get that many takeaways in the first half, it's hard to it's hard to get anything going as far as the team goes. But when they started to take care of the ball and they were able to move down the field almost at will against the Chargers, and, and when, when they got the ball back with, I don't remember, about two minutes to go, I thought, well, they're going to win this game. They're absolutely going to win this game. And that's the way I felt last year when watching those chiefs Bengals games. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. going to win the game is when Bosa threw his helmet on the field. Yeah, Gets right. the unsportsmanlike conduct of all the stupid things to do. There is number one on the list. Did it make a difference in the game? It did because yeah. it made them three-point difference too. And uh, they capitalized, they being the Jaguars. You don't do those small things. Now, that comes up when you're playing the Chargers. That kind of a circumstance I can't see occurring because I think the Chiefs will be ahead the whole game. Bosa was right. I mean, it was a bad you, call. If, you, no if call. you watch it, the, the guy was always leaving early, just a hair early, so he could, yeah. he could have that much time to beat Bosa back. But, you know, Joey Bosa, he's a difference maker. And when he goes out and throws his helmet down on the field and you don't have him for that last drive, I mean, one sack could have changed that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for one sure. One sack. And the Chargers would be playing the Chiefs this weekend. Mm-hmm. Any other – did you watch any of the other games? Was anybody I, – I know Josh is currently boycotting <laughs> football. Ned, what did you watch? Well, again, I was involved with TFC oh, for the on. most part last weekend. <laughs> Me so, too. That's my excuse. Well, no, I, but <laughs> I didn't see many of them. I did see some of the uh, the Sunday ball games, of course. But uh, over and above all that, the, the home teams win, and that's what you expected it to be. And I do think that's probably the way it's going to be this weekend, although a little bit later on I'm going to get into the where I think there might be an upset or two. But the fact is that – the way they have the thing structured in the National Football League is the home team, obviously, is going to get an advantage. And the home teams usually win. Not always. In fact, when you take a look at a history of some of the playoffs and the wild card and, and uh, ascending order, there always seems to be that Cinderella team that sneaks in there. Cincinnati Bengals last year were a Cinderella team. But it, I, don't, I can't foresee that happening this time because Kansas City – and we've talked about this many times on the show, in my opinion, is the top team in the National Football League. And that's hard for a guy who bleeds the green and white to have to say. <laughs> so 
hey, it is what it is. Alec, you, I'm sure you watched some games. What I, did you I watched most everything. Um, I did not watch that Dallas and Tampa Bay game because I can find better uses of my time than watching <laughs> Brady get the floor wiped with him. But <laughs> my big takeaways, um, best – you know, I the best overall team, that's a weird argument to me because I think roster top to bottom, San Francisco has the best team in the playoffs right now, but what they don't have is a quarterback that can play at Mahomes' level, and that can make all the difference in the world. But that, so that is a matchup that I feel like everyone might think we're careening towards. Dallas might have something to say about that this weekend. But I, I'm really thinking the NFC Championship game is being played this weekend between Dallas and San Fran, because I think the winner of that game is going to go on and could beat either one of New York or Philly on the NFC side. AFC side, Buffalo, for all you know, the feel-good story of DeMar Hamlin getting better, which we're all thankful for and very happy about, that team does not, that does not look like the Buffalo Bills that beat Kansas City earlier this year. And if they don't get that figured out, I don't think they get out of this weekend. And if they do, then they really got to clean it up or they won't get out of next weekend either. You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show on 104.7 The Cape. We're talking about the remaining teams left in the playoff matchups this weekend. I want to stop right there, Alec, and get your, not Josh because he didn't watch, but <laughs> I get the your two opinion. The Brock Purdy story is a really nice story that he's Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last guy taken in the draft. That's traditionally what that guy gets called. But I watched him play last week, and uh, this is a conversation we've had since the very beginning of the of this show. And we've always said everybody that gets drafted into the NFL at the quarterback position is a is a pretty good quarterback. Mm-hmm. It just matters what system they get and if they have somebody to protect them. San Francisco has a very good offensive line, and they offer a guy that really is a average to below average quarterback time to be able to go through his progressions and throw. If you put Patrick Mahomes with San Francisco might be unbeatable because he Brock Purdy has forever to throw and he's not that good. He has a lot of really bad passes. Your thoughts? He's a rookie. Give him a chance. And that, <laughs> and I'll tell you that irrelevancy, that's a media thing. If yeah. the guy is drafted, then he is worth whatever they're paying for him. And there's only seven rounds, and you're taking a very elite level of player. Purdy is, I'm disagreeing with you, he's a very good quarterback. In the Big 12 at Iowa State, this guy could play, and he was picked out. He and Chase Allen from Nixa, they were a great combination at Iowa State. Purdy kid is a very skilled kid. He's not there yet. He's not at the finite level of a pro like a Mahomes. And I, I think Alec pointed this out, too. San Francisco has a great protective group about him. He's surrounded by some good players. I think San Francisco has a fine team. Not quite as good as Philadelphia, but we'll find that out. <laughs> anyway, the bottom line is this. I think the guy can play. I think they beat Dallas uh, uh, coming up tomorrow. And I think you'll find that this kid, Purdy, is he may not be their starter next year because – of uh, Lance and people like that who they have out there who are injured, who do have the experience. But he's no, he's not a joke. They wouldn't have drafted him otherwise. Well, I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying as as if you're if you're going to compare him to quarterbacks in the NFL, he's probably average to well, below he's, average. He's a rookie. 
Well, it didn't make any difference, though. I mean, oh, you're still, yes, ra- it does. still ra- <laughs> you're still ranking these guys. He's a professional. He's a starter. Ned. He's a professional. Well, he's, a <laughs> he's a starter by default. Well, yeah, but but, still. but but the rookie does make a difference because you do not have the overall experience level of of a guy like a Mahomes or whomever of having had the circumstances surrounding games on a consistent level. It's an altogether. It, it isn't. It's pro football. It's not college. And you're having to make the adjustments that come with your knowledge up here and what's well, happened. Well, again, we, I, I goes back to me is that he has a, a lot of time to throw. He, he gets very time. gets very well protected, and that 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 can make an average quarterback look pretty good. Sure, yeah. and, Trent Dilfer. Well, and I think you can argue that. Yeah. you can argue Purdy might have the best skill player group around him of any quarterback in the league right now. And between Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, I mean, you know, you look at a group like that, you know, Kansas City has Travis Kelsey, who I'd take over any one of those guys. But, you know, if you get past Kelsey, it start, it doesn't look like that. And I'm watching him play, and I, I saw him make more plays than misses, but consistently what shocks me is he's thrown to dudes that, don't have anyone within five yards of them (laughs) and to that that comes back to the scheme that you talked about it's just you know they know how to get their guys open and they have between McCaffrey Debo IU Kittle those guys when they have the ball in their hands dangerous Purdy can make an easy 15 yard throw that turns into a 50 yard gain because those guys make people miss we uh, talked about it all season long about how the Chiefs could be frustrating at times especially the last half of the season where they played a lot of below average teams and uh, it made those games a little closer than what they should be. But, uh, you know, I've kind of felt all season long that perhaps that was by design to keep this roster as healthy as they possibly can. And so today's the day. Roster health, when you look at it, you know, everybody's talking a little bit about Cincinnati maybe beating Buffalo. Cincinnati's banged up on their offensive line really, really bad. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs come into this game. The number one weapon that they don't have is McCole Hardman. So they're in really good shape. Yeah. Harrison Butker, of course, is, is questionable. Just in, you know, is he okay or isn't he okay? What's going on? Is it the holder? Is it his health? But if this is the plan, it worked well. And and we did voice that, that thought that maybe that's what they're doing. By design, taking their foot off the pedal so they don't run into the injury problems. Well, they have not. We've talked about it all season long. The Chiefs have been very fortunate because they have not suffered catastrophic injuries. Yeah, Hard- Hardman's not the only one. Now, they have some others who may have a muscle pull. That's going to happen in games. But in terms of really significant injuries, they've had none. All their, all their individuals are in very good shape for this time of the year. That's the intangible involved in this game today. Now, if... God forbid if something were to happen in this game, and it is snowing up there, you never know what the circumstances might be. If it were to happen, then the whole scheme changes. But still, from a everything is equal standpoint, I can't see the Jacksonville Ball Club. I can see them challenging, but not staying with the Chiefs. I held my breath a little bit in that last game of the season. And the Raiders, when Joe Tooney went down, I thought, oh, here we go. That offensive line, it's, uh, it's going to get banged up. And and the, that's going to be how the Chiefs go. If Mahomes has, doesn't have to run for his life, then he's going to find a way to win. But uh, so far, they've, they, you know, like we've said, they've stayed relatively healthy. I mean, there's no big question marks on this list. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 
of course, is out, but they have found more than acceptable run production and pass production out of Isaiah Pacheco and uh, and Jared McKinnon. Guys have run very well, but I'll tell you where the key is, and that's the offensive line. It has played outstanding football. Yep. They've kind of flew under the radar for much of the season, but they've got some very good hombres up there, and these guys have created circumstances in which the Chiefs have been able to manifest a pretty good offense. I uh, read a couple of articles today before we went on the air. One uh, picked the Chiefs to win easy. The other said this is an upset game. And one of the things that uh, I got from the article that I was reading about the Chiefs winning easy was that there was a lot of thought that Cardarius Tony is really, if this guy can stay healthy, might be the difference maker on the offense because of his speed and because what he kind of – look, I'm not going to say that he – he replaces, but he is the type of player that can do some of the similar things to what they lost. He is very fast. That's why the New York Giants drafted him number one. He's got great quickness. He may be, he may be, judging from the reaction of New York fans when he had the hamstring pull with the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago. Hey, see what you got now? He may not be an overwhelmingly popular figure with the fandom. Or the team, that part of it, we don't know. But from a physical standpoint, he's very quick. He does, in a sense, replace Hardman as a very quick and fleet wide receiver. I don't think he is quite like uh, Tyreek Hill. Not quite like that. But still, he has that great speed. And the Chiefs overall have such a very good football team that's quick. They're also very quick on defense. And that's not been really pointed out by the media. These guys, the defensive skills of this team are really outstanding. They're able to diagnose plays. They're looking. I love the love the ball clubs that try to use the bubble screen on them because they're ready for it. And they sack that thing. They stuff it almost every time. It, it's just a very good defensive scheme that Kansas City has going for them. They are a well-rounded football team. They are the best football team in the NFL. Let me ask you this. is uh, How do you think that this team – stacks up with teams from the last four years for the Chiefs. Well, that's an easy cop-out answer. Well, but. your question is kind of nebulous because you can't answer something like that. You can't make comparisons because personnel have changed. But that's what we're here for, though, to ask those questions. It's not a question. It, you can't make a better? comparison. Is hmm? this the best team that they've had in the last four years? I'd say it's the, it's the most overachieving team they've had. I picked them to be twelve and five, and what oh, are okay. they? Fourteen and fourteen and three right now. Come on, it's a it, much better record than anybody else picked them to be. They have come together and played differently as a team. But to compare them to other teams, you can't do it. Oh, what I think, and better. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I think this team is better than the team that won the Super Bowl. Alec, let me ask you, since Ned won't answer the question, <laughs> how do you think this team compares to the other teams the Chiefs have had over the four, last four years? And, you know, I've I've been saying throughout the year, I said at the start of the year, I think this was the first offseason that I can remember where I personally felt on paper they got worse. They took some downgrades, losing Matthew, losing Tyreek. They added some nice pieces. But you know, I, I felt that they took a step back. However, I didn't think that the team itself would take that much of a step back because they have the quarterback figured out. And that's everything in the NFL. And also going back, they revamped that offensive line, and they never get the credit because Mahomes and the skilled players make the splash plays. 
But we've seen one game where Mahomes did not have that offensive line and what it looked like, and Tampa ran him out of the building, even though Mahomes played well in that game. So it comes down to they kept the offensive line intact, they have the quarterback. Even if they had some growing pains to go through, this team is still more than capable of going the whole way. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Missouri State basketball. Grumpier Old Men is coming up as you keep (laughs) listening to Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're not too far away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show, which happens in 34 minutes. I'm Joe Weston with Deb Reynolds, Alex Scott, Josh Roberts. We're talking all things sports, Chiefs, and Jaguars come up here on 104.7 The Cave, 3.30 this afternoon. We uh, were just sitting in the studio. We were going to talk about the Bears, but we I think there's more pressing conversations that we can have. So let's... Let's go ahead and talk about uh, the national championship game. Uh, Josh Roberts, correct in his call, blowout by Georgia. Here's what you have to understand. The SEC is the best (laughs) division in – it's the best conference in college football. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an Alabama homer. I'm saying that because year after year after year, they dominate when they're playing against other conferences. They beat each other up throughout the season, and people start talking about how they're not as good and they're not going to do what they do. And then they get into these situations, which are playoff situations or bowl game situations, and they dominate. It, it's based on money. It's based on recruiting. It's based on the, the culture of football in that area. And, and it's not going to change anytime soon because it's so ingrained in that part of the country. Georgia didn't look great getting into the final, but then they looked awesome in the final. And they, I mean, TCU didn't even deserve to be there, in my opinion, and they proved it in the national championship. We going to start that conversation again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would say I hate being right all the time, but I don't. But you're not right all the time, though. That's true. I'm not all the time, but I was this time, so I'll gloat a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Jake, take that. Yeah, Jake, 62-7, to 7, Jake. Yeah. What'd you think, Ned? Well, TCU, it's, it was a, a domino effect game. They're not that bad. TCU's a very competitive football team. Could have played a lot better. Not good enough to beat Georgia. Certainly not. But the, the lopsided score, I think, is a bit of an anomaly because it completely got out of hand, and those things happen in sports. But Texas Christian can play. The Duggan kid is a very good quarterback. Coach uh, Sonny Dykes did a great job with their team. I agree, it's not a Southeastern Conference team, and they do play a different level, and they have a different level of attitude when they go into these games. Now, I'm of the opinion that you're, you're, you'll like what I say, but these other guys will not. Uh, the tide would have given them a much better team and the tide did belong in the playoffs from a skill standpoint but not from a numerical standpoint i i can even agree with that from a from a record standpoint they didn't they had two losses they didn't deserve to get in there because of that but i agree with you it would have been a closer game if alabama played georgia 
but they didn't. They lost two games. Right, so. I know, and that's the thing that that's the conundrum of college football, and I think that's why this twelve team playoff will settle all of those disputes, because twelve teams. When you think about who was number twelve in the nation going into these final games, that's plenty. That's plenty of teams in a playoff. There's, the, I won't argue. About any of it. From, yeah, you from, will. Well, mm. unless Alabama's 13th. But I <laughs> no, don't see that happening well, anytime soon. Where you're going to argue at, you're going to be, you're going to pull a total Nick Saban because next, what? so what, what's going to happen next year is that Alabama be third or fourth or fifth or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they'll get beat in the playoffs. And then you'll be like, oh, there's too many teams in the playoffs. I will never say that. And that's what Nick Saban will do. I will never say that. Okay. I wanted there oh, to be on. eight teams in the playoffs. Whatever. For From the beginning. So. You'll see. Too many teams. Nope. No. Nope. Sorry, it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> that team should. We shouldn't have. Oh, it never should even be <laughs> that way. We should be in the national championship. Period. Well, that's true, but that's because they're Alabama. Starts with an A. <laughs> number one. Yeah. Whatever. A plus. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. It's a, prob- it's a problem in college football. I mean, those you talk. Can you said the conundrum? You talked to me yeah. like, okay, well, Ohio State plays Georgia close. Ohio State got. Walped by Michigan. Michigan gets beat by TCU. TCU gets flattened by Georgia. So right. it's it's a circle that doesn't connect. But you know, it's the SEC is it's a borderline problem because even you know they they're running the show in a lot of ways. And then teams that you know teams are flocking to the SEC. You've already got Texas and Oklahoma now looking. It's like, well, if you can't beat them, let's get in there. Let's get a, let's be a part of that. And it's getting closer and closer to a point where I wonder if the NCAA and its conferences even become necessary. Especially what we pointed out as as far back as five and six and seven years ago. It's exactly how it's going to end up in the next five to ten years in geographic splits in the country and not conferences. And, yeah, the SEC is going to absorb some more. Will it be the Big Ten that absorbs more? I suspect it will be. Will it be the Big 12 that absorbs some more? It's it's all going to be a geographic breakdown of how it works, and that in and of itself manifests a championship game. You will have that legitimate championship. I agree 12 is too many. It should be eight. But, again, you're giving a lot of teams that chance for uh, the have-nots to come in and do some things. Cincinnati was a have-not last year, and they came in, made the Final Four. In a sense, TCU was. TCU's Big 12 Conference, folks. Come on, they can play. And while it's a small school in terms of enrollment and a very good school, uh, they're still getting their fair share of pretty good athletes in there, and they have over the years. But is it in in the category of the SEC? No. You're showing your age, Ned, because you say the Big 12 like it means something. It doesn't anymore. It doesn't. The Big 12 is the one that the other conferences are now feeding off of. They're just picking, getting those teams out of that conference. And it's kind of sad to see because it is. I grew up around here, you know, Big 8 fan. Yeah. Big 8. It's a big deal. Nebraska, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, K-State. You, All those teams played decent football. They played decent, really above decent basketball. Mm-hmm. But that conference is the one that's really taken it in the shorts the last few years from these bigger conferences, just feeding off of it. But you don't know how that's going to morph in the future years. Yeah, there, there are new teams coming in. No, they are not the big names. Houston and Cincinnati and Central Florida and Brigham Young are coming into the Big 12 Conference. 
Oh, I have a message here that says I'm right. How about that? Who <laughs> <laughs> says you're right? <laughs> just, just joking. But the fact is, you don't know how it's going to change because you don't know the recruiting and the and the portal and the nils and all that sort of thing. That puts an altogether different light on these things. I'm not ready to sell them short yet. They're not there. They're not in the SEC level. But we'll we'll see. Let's ask this question really quick to all of you, and we'll start with Ned. And that is, do you like where college sports is going? No. Why? With the nil, I do not. I think it creates almost a free agency. You're taking away a lot from kids. You're going to college for a reason. And the reason is to learn the discipline of life and what you're going to involve in with your, your whole perspective on things, and it's taking away from that direction. You're giving kids an opportunity to go wherever they want to, whenever they want to. I don't agree with that philosophical approach one little bit. Once you make a commitment, stay with it, unless there are mitigating circumstances, and that's most of the time not the case. Alec? I don't know if I like where the sport's going, but I personally am an avid believer that the student-athletes deserve a cut of the profit they're bringing in as the NCAA business continues to grow. The prospect of what a college education is worth versus what you're generating to your school by being there, as that, to me, continues to grow and grow further and further apart. I think they're entitled to that, even if I'm willing to see what the landscape gets shaken up to look like if that is happening. But... I don't know. It can be bad. It could be bad for the game. Josh, I don't like the idea of, of college players being paid. I don't. I don't like that. That's not. That's not what this is. Because then that just turns this into a minor league football, and and if that's what they want, then they sh- none of them should go to college. They shouldn't waste the money on their education. They should just turn all of this into a minor league football system, and they don't go to college. Because I, I would argue, Ned, that most of these top-level collegiate football players are not there for an education. They're there because they had a talent, and that was recognized by this school, and they want to use that talent to generate income and get championships and get the notoriety. Uh, I, there's no easy answer to that because it, it wasn't working when they weren't paid, and I don't feel like it's going to work now that they are being paid. So I don't know what the solution is to that. But, no, I don't like it either. I think college football has always been college football, and it's really not anymore. I think one of the things that's always attracted me to college athletics is that the players don't get paid. And I understand the hardship behind that. But you are getting a free education. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who whose parents paid for my education and as a parent that's paying for my son's education. Uh, I think that you go to school to learn and I think you go to school to better yourself. And I think that you go to school to prepare yourself for the next level of whatever that is, whether it's sports or to be a doctor or be in theater or whatever. But why should these athletes have the advantage over all the other students in school? Why do they get that opportunity? I mean, they're not, you know, Yale's not going out and paying their doctors. They're not, you know, the people are going to school there that are going to be doctors. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I've always, they, I've always felt that they should get some sort of stipend, minimum stipend, Mm -hmm. but I don't like the transfer portal at all. I think it's really bad for the sport because, you know, you're seeing guys that play for a different team almost every year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 
And just the purity. I may sound like Pollyanna by saying that, but just the purity of amateur athletics. The people are out there doing it because they love it. They want to be there. They want to do that. They want to be a part of it. Right. They're working hard to get to that next level. You're you're basically, by paying them at, at the collegiate level, you're eliminating the need for them to work hard to get to the level they're trying to get to. You're basically saying you're already there. There was a team a few years back. Uh, I don't remember the school, and Ed can probably tell me the, that their their whole like special teams unit, except for the kicker, was they're all walk-ons. Mm-hmm. And those guys just played their guts out every time and it was just it was fun to see and i feel like a lot of that's being lost no but i'm afraid it your point is well taken but it's gone that's not going to never coming back so what you are proposing here is a change in the system the way it is now and i think that transfer portal needs to be cut down yes it should be allowed you still should be able to transfer but not with the freedom that they have now the nil as Alec pointed out, hey, the guys, they're an advertising scheme for this university. Sure. Or for any university. Uh, yes, they should maybe receive some remuneration, and they are, but not with what they're getting now. What's the guy at Ohio State got a $5 million something or other, and somebody else gets another and leaves school? Come on. It's that, that's a little out of hand. It does need to be controlled, but I don't think it's ever going away. When we come back, we'll talk more about sports as we get set for the Chiefs and the Jaguars this afternoon on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. We spent so much time talking about college athletics. Uh, we're a little short on time, but <laughs> let's go ahead and let's talk about some of the other games that are happening or the the other three games that are happening this weekend. The uh, I think the one that most Chiefs fans have their eye on is that other AFC game, which is the the Bills and the Bengals. Ned, what is your what's your thought on that game? That's one of the two that I think an upset is is possible. The other two I do not, but this one I do because Cincinnati's going in there and play, they're playing a Buffalo team that has not played to their skill level. Team that did play last week that struggled against a mediocre Miami team and got, got away with the win, 34-31. They better not struggle against Buffalo or against Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Bowl Club is quite capable of going in there. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Buffalo does win the game, uh, probably a close game, but I do think the Chiefs end up playing the Buffalo Bills in Atlanta uh, coming up next Sunday, and that'll be the second game next Sunday, too, incidentally. National Conference, oh, boy, Philadelphia, New York, third third time this year. Philadelphia's won the first two. The second game was The second game was the last game the Eagles played. It was the end of the year, and now they're playing the Giants again. Two weeks later, the Giants and Eagles have a bitter rivalry. That's the second game where I see a possible turnaround. And those of us who bleed the green and white, oh, does that hurt? <laughs> but we'll find out what happens in this one. I, do, I think Philadelphia may hate, hold on to win this game and end up playing the 49ers. I think that's how it'll end up. I think San Francisco has their way with Dallas. <clears throat> Dallas had the advantage of playing a team that shouldn't have been in the playoffs last week. Tampa Bay, they're, they're just a joke. And wins big, 
Dallas is good, but they're not as good as San Francisco. They're the way I see things. Alec and I work with a guy that's a Cowboys fan. I could hear him kicking the radio right now. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts, Alec? You know, we talk about that in that dangerous third matchup against a team, and it's interesting. Both Cincinnati and Buffalo did that last weekend. Both of their matchups were against a division rival. So, you know, I'm not surprised that neither of them looked great. But it's going to be interesting in that Buffalo-Cincinnati game. Cincinnati is down two linemen. Buffalo has had turnover issues. I think if Buffalo can keep it one turnover or less, they're going to come out of that. More than that, Cincinnati's offense will capitalize and they'll get that win there. On the NFC side, I'm really interested to see what Philadelphia looks like. They limped into that number one seed, and I almost wonder if a bye week was maybe one of the worst things that could have happened to them because (laughs) they just couldn't get a rhythm going. I won't be surprised if they come out flat, if they just take some time to get them to find themselves. And New York's playing really well, but it I have I have faith in what Philadelphia set up in the earlier part of the year. I think the NFC side is going to be a Philadelphia versus San Francisco. And, you know, watch out for San Fran. If they can keep putting Brock Purdy in good situations, that team is primed for a run. Josh? Well, I I feel like from what you guys have been talking about, having not seen last week's games, uh, Buffalo is not really firing on all cylinders, possibly because of all of the, the situation with Hamlin and everything. That's a lot of a psychological uh, effect on this team. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, Cincinnati beats them, just because with what you're saying about uh, um, Josh Allen having kind of the – the turnover bug lately as well because Cincinnati is good and Cincinnati can take advantage of that kind of thing. I'm going all the way with your uh, your Eagles, Ned. I think they're going to be in the Super Bowl this year uh, because Jalen Hurts is back. They had the time off, and I think it actually will have helped them to have Jalen Hurts get healthier. Uh, even though they're playing the Giants for the third time and the Giants are playing hot to get to that spot, it'll be a close game, but I think – I just think that Philadelphia is is better. They have more talent than the Giants, and I think they'll take care of that. And then nobody wants to root for Dallas, so the 49ers <laughs> going to win. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we'll give you the scores of today's game when the Chiefs take on the Jaguars. It's coming up at 3.30 on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. It's a double take that day, Jake, because not only were you wrong about the national championship, your beloved KU Jayhawks are about to get upset by TCU. Neb, what's the weather doing up in Kansas City? It Still is snowing? a combination of rain and snow at the moment. It's going to be that way for the rest of the day. Okay. All right. Here we go. Our pick for the game today, Jacksonville and Kansas City. We know you picked the Chiefs to win, Ned. What's the score? 33-17 is my pick on the score. Kansas City, Kansas City, the Chiefs. Come on. They're, they're the top <laughs> team in the National Football League, in my opinion. Come they're on. Playing well. And I think they own Jacksonville. Jacksonville's about, they've won six in a row, but their defensive backfield is not very good. I see Mahomes having his way with them, even in adverse weather conditions. I think the Chiefs win. All right. Who has better, better hair, Trevor Lawrence or Patrick Mahomes? 
Well, that's a tough that's one. It's not for me to say. <laughs> oh, come on. You've got a nice head of hair, so you could you yeah, see, you're not like me, <laughs> balding. <laughs> balding, so yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about other guys' hair. I will admit that freely on the radio. I mean, neither one of them is as good as Troy Palomalo, but oh, yeah. uh, Ooh, yeah. it's tough to beat. All right, Alec, what's your thoughts? That Troy Palomalo has great hair. But, uh, <laughs> no, so, you know, I, I do think this is going to be a competitive game. Um, spreads at nine and a half points, and I think that's way too big, and we know Kansas City's terrible against the spread, but I do think they win. I'm going to go Kansas City 27, Jacksonville 23. Josh? I also agree that the spread is too big for this one, and it's going to be a much closer game than people want it to be. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I think it's going to be like 28-22. It'll be a less of a high-flying show than what people want, but Chiefs will pull it out. I am a, I'm a big believer in in I don't I, the words just gone out of my mind in, in I, dead air time is dead that air time that's that's the, that's the, <laughs> the that's what I'm a big big believe, big believer in I, I think the I think Jacksonville's on a roll and I think they win momentum momentum that's you know that's so, since I've had COVID Ooh, words ball. words have just gone out of my head I so. Get it. So yeah, I I I'm picking Jacksonville to win 31-28. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I I'm on upset alert today. I don't want to do that, but I I've, I've had a really bad feeling about this game all week and can I say to everybody out there, I'm hoping that I'm wrong, but I do I do feel Jacksonville is going to win this game. Okay? That's my take on it. I'm sticking to it. If I'm wrong, which I hope I am, you guys can tell me about it all next week. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's just it. If you're wrong, are we here next week? We'll figure something out. Okay? <laughs> He's banking on not. <laughs> we will figure something out. I promise you. Okay. Thanks to Deb Reynolds, Alex Scott, Josh Roberts, Brian Tyndall, Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, and Nick Fury. The game's coming up at 3:30. The pregame show starts in just moments. See ya. I mean, I-